It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. I'm Ainsley Earhart. I'm Brett Baer. I'm Katie Pavlich, and this is the Fox News Rundown. Monday, March 7th, 2022. I'm Eben Brown. How much longer before Ukraine's capital falls to Russian invaders? They keep saying it won't be long. But now Russian convoys are firing Russian weapons in and around Ukrainian suburbs. The Russian forces are currently getting closer and closer to the Ukrainian capital of Kyiv. And there's a real sense in this city that the coming days could be quite bloody. This is the Fox News Rundown War on Ukraine. This is Jimmy Fallon, inviting you to join me for Fox Across America, where we'll discuss every single one of the Democrats' dumb ideas. Just kidding. It's only a three-hour show. Listen live at noon Eastern or get the podcast at foxacrossamerica.com. Ukraine's capital city of Kiev has not yet fallen into Russia's hands, but more so than it has been, the advancing invaders seem keen on taking it. This comes as civilians are being killed. Even while Russia assured civilians they could make exits without being harmed. That might have been a ruse or a lie. Off in the distance, there are pretty consistent explosion sounds. And we're trying to figure out exactly what it is. It sounds like artillery, but there's no way from here to tell what side is firing that artillery. Fox's Trey Yingst has now for weeks been reporting to us the conditions on the ground in Kiev. He joins us once again as the war intensifies, the civilians attempt to flee, and the Russians don't keep their word. The Russian forces are currently getting closer and closer to the Ukrainian capital of Kyiv, where we're at right now. And there's a real sense in this city that the coming days could be quite bloody. It's an urban environment. Ukrainian forces and civilians are hunkered down and they're ready to fight back against the Russians. And we're already starting to see this war unravel in many parts of the country. We were in Irpin today, a town of about 60,000 people just outside the city limits of Kyiv. And... Yesterday, eight people were killed there as civilians evacuated the town and Russian forces fired shells targeting those civilians. And just to paint a picture for you of what it's like in this town, we were there on Saturday as well. This is the front line of this conflict as it relates to the capital of Kiev. This is where the Russian forces are. And when you arrive, you go down a long road winding through the woods and you arrive at the city entrance. And there, there are a bunch of checkpoints set up. They're Ukrainian military positions. And they've made these checkpoints out of logs and tires, anything they can to basically block off the road. And in the distance, you can see black smoke rising up from the horizon. And these are things on fire that were hit with Russian shells. And the Russians have been targeting this key town because they need to go through it on their way to the capital. And so we were there on Saturday, and there were thousands of people fleeing the town. And the Russians were firing shells, but they weren't hitting right where the civilians are. Well, on Sunday, they narrowed in their shot and hit civilians. And in one location, there's some video of this you can see online, a shell slammed right into the road where we were standing the day before and instantly killed four people. And when we were back there today, the number of people crossing was significantly lower, but the level of aggression was also higher. 
we saw the shells landing all around this area. There were major concerns by Ukrainian forces of sniper fire. So when they would go out to get civilians, they would sort of crouch down as they jogged through an open field as to make themselves as small as possible and less likely to get hit with a bullet or a shell. And then they helped to evacuate these civilians. And it was a very tense environment. There was incoming fire as these civilians were evacuating. And there are still many people stuck in this town. The uh, the firing on civilians has been seen uh, almost in real time and certainly uh, over and over again because people now have the ability to share these images, video, pictures, whatever the case may be, on social media. Uh, and for the past uh, few days, there have been discussions between Ukrainian and Russian military leaders trying to agree to some sort of ceasefire. Uh, where there would be a, a limited space of both time and, and geography, real estate, if you will, where civilian, civilians are supposed to be able to evacuate uh, without fear of being fired upon, but they're being fired upon. And, and we're hearing now that another round of negotiations is just finished and there's there's really not much being said in terms of how, how much more assurances they've, they're going to get from the Russians that these evacuating people, men, women, and children... Uh, would would be safe when they try to leave their homes. So, are the is there concern that uh, Russia is either not being serious or just flat out lying when it says it's going to assure the safety of these civilians? Yeah, they're not really being serious in these talks. They have demanded from the Ukrainians things that simply aren't going to happen. They want Ukraine to give up all of their weapons, and they want the Ukrainians to recognize Crimea, an area of land that the Russians took from Ukraine in 2014. These are non-starters for the Ukrainians, and they know that. They want to make it appear as if they are open to negotiating and then continue their military offensive. We've seen this in the Russian playbook before, and it's not the only thing that the Russians have done before that they are now doing on the ground in Ukraine. What Russian forces have done in Syria, bombing civilian areas and pushing those civilians out so they gain control of a particular area. It's exactly what's happening right now in places like Mariupol in the southern part of Ukraine. It's happening in Kharkiv, the second largest city here. And it's starting to happen on the outskirts of Kyiv. They wrapped up the third round of talks between the Ukrainian and Russian delegations. And basically not a whole lot of information came out of those conversations. The bottom line was, well, we'll continue to work on humanitarian corridors. But over the past 48 hours, the Russians have agreed to humanitarian corridors in two southern cities. And then within an hour or two, they violated the agreement and shelled the area where civilians are. And today the Red Cross says they've found landmines along the evacuation route for civilians. So what they say and what they do are often two different things. And the reality is there are millions of civilians who need to get out of harm's way. Already the UN estimates more than 1.5 million have fled the country and that number is expected to rise significantly. So they can talk all they want, but I think the Ukrainians and the officials that we talk to here, they want to see behavioral changes from the Russians. And so far, we just haven't seen. You've been listening once again to Fox's Trey Yingst reporting still from Kiev in Ukraine on the Fox News rundown war on Ukraine. We'll have more with him straight ahead. 
The Ukrainians are also help, uh, hoping to get more and more aid, whatever aid they can, from the West, which means NATO or everything basically to the West. Uh, and one of the the things we've heard that uh, Poland will provide uh, Ukraine with jet fighters, and the United States will then sort of back supply Poland with uh, with newer jet fighters. Um, are, are these things looked on as uh, helpful uh, or, or short term, at least in the short term, or, or are they these are expected to be more long term solutions? It will take time to move such large assets. Um, so, is this something that the Ukrainians think could could really help them right away? Yeah, look, there's two perspectives on this. The Ukrainians want all the military support they can get. They want fighter jets, they want air defense systems, they want anti-tank missiles, and they are really pleading with NATO countries, with the international community to get those systems. The Russians don't really care about the bureaucracy behind how they deliver the weapons, right? So we've heard these ideas of different NATO countries close to Ukraine supplying, for example, jets to the Ukrainian Air Force, and then the United States would backfill them. The Russians have been pretty clear. They would see that as the United States assisting. They don't care if the jets are going directly from the U.S. to the Ukrainians. They also have noted that if other countries are allowing their airfields to be used by Ukrainian pilots, that could be a problem. They also have noted that anyone supplying weapons to the Ukrainians that are used against the Russians will be considered as participating in the conflict. We know the United States has supplied many weapons to the Ukrainians. So it's quite complicated and it's quite risky what's taking place. And it's part of the reason the U.S. has to be so calculated in their response to this, right? Because if they cross what Russia sees as a red line, the whole conflict could expand to a much larger war. And it's what the Biden administration is trying to avoid right now. And it's really the main reason that a no-fly zone hasn't been implemented over Ukraine, because NATO is saying, look, if we implement a no-fly zone and we shoot down Russian planes that are are using your airspace to target the Ukrainians, the Russians will see that as us participating in the conflict. They've made that very clear. So it's this tricky situation because when the skies are open and Russian jets are able to fly and, and bomb different cities in Ukraine, there are many people dying and there's a significant level of destruction. But the world doesn't want this to turn into a much larger conflict. And so there's this sort of balancing beam that officials are walking on right now. What really would Russia's true end game be here? Do they simply want to reclaim all of Ukraine as part of Russian territory? What would be a stopping point for Russia here? At what, what, what point would they say, OK, we've done enough, we've made our point? No one can get into the mind of Russian President Vladimir Putin, but we do know he wants, at this point, serious territorial gains. This is a man who called the collapse of the Soviet Union the greatest geopolitical catastrophe of the 20th century. As recently as last year, he wrote essays basically explaining that the Ukrainian and Russian people are one and the same from his point of view. And so this is something he's wanted to do for a long time, and he has warned about it for a long time. But I think many didn't think he'd actually take the action of launching a full-scale invasion into Ukraine. Again, I, I can't get into the mind of Vladimir Putin, but my take on it and my analysis of the situation based on the officials that we've talked to here and their concerns about how far he's willing to go, people are looking at the fact that Russia is now cut off from the world financially, 
and on a broad economic spectrum. I mean, you can't use American Express anymore in Russia. You can't use MasterCard anymore in Russia. They are getting kicked out of nearly every international sporting event on the world stage. The Russians are now not going to be able to watch Netflix. We've seen reports about this. So, I mean, every part of their society is getting crushed by the international response because, and and I don't know if you just heard off in the distance there, there's an explosion now. I mean, this is ongoing and there is no indication that President Putin of Russia has any intention to stop. And so what we're seeing right now is he has what the Pentagon estimates anywhere between 95 to 100 percent of his forces that were staging on the border. That's about 170,000 troops inside Ukraine operating. And he's 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 going to continue this this invasion. I mean, there, there's no doubt about that. He's not just going to say, OK, well, we're taking some losses. That's enough. I mean, there's no way to tell how far he goes, but every indication that we have on the ground right now is that he has no intention of stopping. Fox's Trey Yinks continually reporting from the Ukrainian capital of Kiev. Thanks again for being with us on the Fox News Rundown War on Ukraine. Thank you. You've been listening to the Fox News Rundown. Rundown. Stay up to date by subscribing to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. And for up-to-the-minute news, go to foxnews.com. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, subscribe and listen to the Trey Gowdy Podcast. Former federal prosecutor and four-term U.S. congressman from South Carolina brings you a -a one-of-a-kind podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com.